Before we get to today's show, let me tell you about HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you keep your customers happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at the networking event. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. It brings together service and success together on one platform. With AI-powered help desk and chatbots to handle your frontline support tickets. So you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. On this episode of Marketing Against the Green, we talked to Matt Wolf. Matt has one of the biggest and best YouTube channels all about AI. And so we had to talk to Matt all about apps and tools. We get into the biggest AI winners, the biggest AI losers, and who are going to be the biggest AI apps in the future. Where should you invest your money? I'm Kieran Flanagan, the CMO at Zapier. I'm here at always with my co-host, Kip Bonner, the CMO at HubSpot. Let's get into it. Okay, Matt, it is great to have you on the show. I've spent a lot of hours watching your YouTube channel, getting all of the latest news, getting all of the latest apps. So we're, we're really excited to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to nerd out and chat with you guys about this stuff. <laughs> we're excited to steal your brain for a minute. <laughs> yeah, get all of your AI knowledge. I thought we could start with this, which is like, how did you start in the YouTube AI space? Like, how did you end up there? What was the kind of tipping point? What were you doing before that? Like, just give us a little bit of the context, the background. Sure, yeah. So I've been doing digital marketing sort of stuff since 2009. I quit my day job, so to speak, back in 2009 and have been all in on content marketing ever since. My YouTube channel started in 2009. I started blogging in 2009. And then over the years, I was just kind of testing all sorts of different things, right? I had a a online course around how to drive traffic. I've had online courses around podcasting. My first course that I ever sold was was about how to build blogs. And so over the years, I was just kind of testing different courses. I got really good at affiliate marketing. Most of my income over the last decade has actually come from affiliate revenue, from promoting other products and my content. And so I've just been kind of surfing around in the world of digital marketing and course creation and just playing with whatever would work. And I had a lot of good months and a lot of bad months where I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. And it was just kind of throwing stuff at the wall all the way up until 2022 when the AI stuff started to pick up some steam. So at the time, I had a, a top 1% podcast with my co-host, Joe Fear, called Hustle and Flowchart. He's actually still running that podcast to this day, but him and I were, were podcasting and interviewing other digital marketers and things like that. And we started to have people come on and talk about some of these newer technologies that were coming out. You know, one of the first ones we came across was Jasper, which was like an AI copywriting tool. At the time, it was called Conversion AI, and then it was called something that Marvel wanted to sue him for. And then it eventually became Jasper. So I learned about GPT-3. And we actually started making content about GPT-3 and Jasper and some of these AI tools back in 2021. But Nobody was really paying attention to AI back then. Nobody really cared about it. And then about mid-2022, I made a video on my YouTube channel about AI art and various AI art generators. And this was actually before MidJourney came out. I was talking about Dolly and some of the Stable Diffusion stuff that was available. And that video started to do well. It got, you know, a few thousand views. And I went, oh, that's better than any of the other videos I put out. Maybe I'll do another video on AI. So I did a video about how to train your own face into the AI using a tool called Dream Boost. So you can make AI images with your own likeness. 
that video, you know, doubled my best video and had, you know, 15,000 views. And I went, okay, I'm going to keep going down this AI path. And then the video that really took off was when ChatGPT was released. I made a video around ChatGPT. And then that one, I remember I made that video. I published it at like 10 p.m. on like a Tuesday or something and then went to bed, woke up the next morning and that video had 60,000 views. And I went, oh, wow. my God, this is the Whoa. best video I've ever done. And in 12 hours, it got 60,000 views. And that video actually went on to do over a million views over the course of the next like two weeks. And so that was sort of the the pivot point where I went, I'm just going all in on AI. Every video I make from here on out is going to be about the latest, coolest AI tools. I'm going to make tutorials. I'm going to talk about the news. I'm going to talk about cool tools that I come across. And so ever since about October of last year, every video I've released has just been about the coolest AI stuff that I've built or come across or tutorials or things that I've learned how to do and just shown it off. And that's been the last, you know, 10 months of my life of just making that content. In that same time, I also built a website called Future Tools because I was coming across all these AI tools and I was struggling to sort of like wrap my head around all these tools. I was putting them into an Excel spreadsheet, but it got to a point where the Excel spreadsheet had a hundred rows in it and I was kind of losing track of what did what. So I literally built Future Tools as like a database for myself to kind of wrap my head around what tools I've come across and what they do. I shared that on Twitter that got retweeted. It kind of went viral. My future tools website blew up and now it gets over a million views per month. And so it's just like the last 10 months have just been a roller coaster after over a decade of just kind of trying different stuff and having little successes here and there. And now all of a sudden, this is my life now. (laughs) That's the lesson for everybody watching, right? Like this is the story time and time again, which is it takes years to build a quality of skills that you can do something well, and then find the right fit of topic and audience for yourself to really break out. You know, I think, Kira, when you and I started this podcast, we were like, oh, it's going to take us three to five years to make this thing big, real, like everything we want. And I think that's the right timeline for anybody to consider. And the reason most people fail is because they just don't do it long enough. They don't get into it. And the other thing they don't do is they don't do what you did, Matt, and pivot when they get the aha moment. Like you you woke up to that video, you had your aha moment, and you're like, all right, I know what I'm doing now, <laughs> yep. and I'm, I'm okay leaving that stuff behind, and now I'm going in a new direction. I think that's exactly. a really interesting point. Like, Matt, was it the same YouTube channel you had since yep. 2009? Or you, or you, so you were just grinding away and then pivoted to AI. The other really important thing is, Matt, because you've been at this like 2009, you mentioned affiliate, all of these things. Did you ever hang out on the Warrior Forum? Back in the glorious, back in the day oh, yeah. when the Warrior Farm was the Warrior Farm. Warrior Farm. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I, I actually, one of my first products I ever sold was a WSO in the Warrior Farm. There you back go. In <laughs> old school Warrior Farm. So. That's where all the best people came from is the old school shady Warrior Farm days. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that, that's that's where I originated. I was, I remember back in 2007 when I was still working in my day job, I was working at a manufacturing plant. Whenever the boss wasn't looking, I was in the Warrior Farm reading Same about me. various ways to make money online. <laughs> Let's I go. was in there getting my Frank Kearns, even page, all of the yep, copywriter yep. stuff. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but I think coming back to Kiss Point, people have too short a time horizons on what success looks like and they give up before they ever get started. And like getting started is like a couple of years and that's where they kind of like give up. I've actually seen studies where you can actually see like most podcasters, most people who blog, they kind of give up 
at a certain point of time and they give up ever before they've actually even figured out what their thing is, like what their angle is, what their topic is, what their kind of like area of expertise is going to be, where their niche is going to be. And so it's Mm -hmm. like super cool. Like you just kept kind of iterating, kept trying to figure out like what was the thing that was going to resonate with your audience and you got one signal and you went all in. For sure. Yeah. I mean, my my thing has always kind of been I nerd out about cool tools, right? So back in the early days when I first started my YouTube channel, I was sharing different WordPress plugins. I had a WordPress site and I was like, oh, check out this plugin. It does this. Check out this plugin. It did this. And then the first course that I ever sold was a course on WordPress and I was sharing various WordPress plugins. So like the the sort of common threads have always been, I love making content and I love nerding out about cool tools. It's just in 2022 when AI, all of these new tools started to flood the market it was kind of like I found my home. These are these are the tools that like I'm excited about, but also the world is getting excited about. It's incredible how much money or what, what kind of business you can build around cool tools. Like I remember back in the day when I was like really leaning into search, this mm. guy was just obsessed by like Apple, Apple products, like MacBooks in particular. Yeah, and yeah. just built this entire business, search business at the time, like AdSense was like the cool thing to try to make money through and just owned like every search term you could actually own through like all of these different search terms around MacBooks and all of the kind of different laptops or computers that Apple had. That dude brought in like millions, millions every year, like just with this site, didn't do anything about it. So like finding a niche, finding a topic is really important. One thing I wanted to try out on you both is, (laughs) so Kip and I talk about this all the time. We, uh, you know, do some investing, talk to a lot of founders, try to find like good spaces to invest in. And so one of the things I've been doing on AI is trying to like map out where I see a lot of the momentum right now, like where I see a lot of the apps, where I'm having all the conversations. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to kind of map out where I see it, let you all say whether there's things I'm missing, things that you disagree with, and then kind of like talk about where do we think the winners or losers are going to appear from? Like basically where are the early winners that we can go through? Like what the happy winners, but I don't think they're going to be long-term winners. And where will the long-term winners come mm. from? The first are just like the kind of chat LLM models, right? ChatGPT, Bardet, Llama. I don't know if you saw Facebook's latest release. Actually, there's a company, you probably know this, Matt, because you know all things about <laughs> AI tools. But one of my favorite tools is like Perplexity AI, uh-huh. the kind of search engine. And they released a chatbot based upon Facebook's latest open source model, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. But basically all of the, all, like Anthropic Claude, all of the different models like Poe. So that's like one batch, right? And it's actually mm-hmm. really hard to invest in that batch, actually, because you don't see many of them. And like, it's really hard to pick winners, but we should talk right. about that batch. The second is like the creative tools, right? You mentioned mm-hmm. Jasper was one of the very early tools, the writing tools, the image tools, the video tools, like Runway is an incredible video tool. Mm-hmm. Midjourney is obviously one of the best image tools. So that's a whole other space. Mm-hmm. The third space for me is like B2B tools. I don't know if you're seeing them more of this, Kip, like, you know, yes. AI CRMs, AI mm-hmm. sales tools, like all of the things you need to do. A lot of, a lot of it is actually the AI sales outreach tools right now, like sales tools, uh-huh. customer success tools, customer support tools, like basically how you run a B2B go-to-market. The fourth is data analysis, right? We had, did a whole episode in Code Interpreter. But then there's all of these other plugins that can integrate to Excel, can integrate into Google Sheets, can integrate into your data platform and be able to provide a kind of chat layer on top of that data. The fifth is like knowledge work tools. And so knowledge work tools were the one that I talked a lot about at the start with you, Kip, is like the hardest thing about fast growth companies is that people get disconnected from the core information that's important. Like it just becomes really hard. Slack, I think, is a really incredible tool, but actually makes this much worse where like (laughs) it is hard to get a grasp on all of the data churning through a company. And so you have these kind of knowledge tools that exist in companies like a Glean, like a chief knowledge officer. There's a Glean. Two of my companies actually pivoted to try to solve this problem recently. 
There's the note-taking tools for Zoom, like all of the tools you could have to like keep a company much more efficient, keep knowledge running through that company in much more efficient ways. And then there's all the productivity tools, right? Mm -hmm. Like just like how we be more productive. And so I want to like pause, let you all react to that. What are categories you think that maybe I've missed? Are they the wrong categories? What does that sound in terms of like how we you're, think you're about that? You're trying to figure out where to put some money. <laughs> Matt, tell Get me where rich. to invest. <laughs> <laughs> you're Please, stealing Matt. Matt's brain Please. to do it. Oh, my, well, the listeners get to benefit. The, view, watchers, the viewers get to benefit. So where like, should I put my cool. dollars? All right, I, I'll let Matt go first. He, he's our guest here. Yeah, so when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know, I tend to think that the best place to be is, you know, the trouble sellers, right? Like the Same. NVIDIAs, the AMDs, the companies that are benefiting no matter where, like what tools you're using. I think Microsoft has a, a really, really smart plan, right? What you just mentioned, Perplexity is using Llama 2, which is Meta's platform. Well, Meta just partnered with Microsoft to release this Llama 2 platform, right? Well, Microsoft also is partnered with OpenAI on ChatGPT. Right. So you look at that and they're like, okay, didn't they just partner with two competing projects? Well, one's closed source with ChatGPT, mm -hmm. one's open source with Llama. Well, the common denominator between those two is they're both going to be using Microsoft's Azure servers, right? So Microsoft is going to get the benefit of people using the open source, the closed source, because it's all going to be on the Azure servers, right? And then NVIDIA, right? NVIDIA makes all of the GPUs, all of the graphic cards, pretty much all of these cloud compute systems are using NVIDIA GPUs. So NVIDIA is going to really benefit. AMD is trying to get into the game. So a lot of those are the types of tools that I would really be wanting to look at. I think my worry with a lot of the large language models, with a lot of the image generation tools, even the like new text-to-speech tools that are coming out that are really, really, really good, is there's open source models, there's closed source models, there's APIs, there's no real moat on any of them, right? right. Like anybody can go and build on top of Llama 2 and, you know, build a competitor to ChatGPT and improve off of it and build something even better. Anybody can go and use, you know, an 11 Labs API, which is a text-to-speech generator, and go and build better and better, you know, text-to-speech tools. Most of the AI art image generation tools, they're either using Stable Diffusion under the hood or they're using DALI under the hood. So a lot of these tools, they just don't have that moat. And it's just so easy for so many tools to pop up. And so I feel like a lot of those platforms, there's going to be a bit of a race to the bottom where you're going to see companies pop up and make a cheaper version that does the same thing. And then another version that's cheaper that does the same thing. And eventually a version that's completely free, but supported by ads everywhere. So <laughs> a lot of the, you know, a lot of the models that are, that are coming out now, I would have a real concern about the long-term future of them just because of, you know, how much everything seems to be moving to open source and how many, you know, available APIs are out there. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because 
I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Well, look, I like that we're being your investment counsel and we're happy to be your CIOs today, Kieran. Maybe you'll actually make some money and your companies won't go out of business. Uh, <laughs> not saying that Shots that's what's fired. happening, but it's kind of what's happening. Um, be but I don't. <laughs> but here's my take. I agree with what Matt's saying. In a world of whether you're an investor or you're a worker who wants to go work at one of these companies, or you're a buyer, you're thinking about buying one of these tools. I think there are two things to really consider to understand where the big opportunity long-term is going to be. Matt touched on one, which is distribution. He touched on the other one, economics. What is differentiated about this company that's going to allow them to survive in the long-term? AMD and NVIDIA and all of the picks and shovels kind of (laughs) providers, they're differentiated because The economics are great because there's going to be constant demand. As the market goes up, their economics are going to improve. The other thing that they have is they're differentiated because they have proprietary technology, right? Right. Like Mm -hmm. NVIDIA has its own way, manufacturing facilities, everything of making its GPUs. That's a really hard thing to do. If you are just writing code on top of somebody else's APIs, that's not very differentiated. And your economics are tough because one, you're at the mercy of whatever that API access costs. And two, it's really hard for you to build a product that is deep enough, that provides enough value that you don't have a lot of customer churn issues where you have a lot of customers cancel. And that's what we're seeing in the AI space right now is a lot of customers canceling and a lot of these companies dealing with really massive churn issues, especially given that the pace of innovation, like Matt is on his YouTube channel all the time talking about new stuff, which means that like you could have a plan and a model that's like obsolete. Pace of innovation is crazy. Particularly because it's so much easier to build, like it takes three to five people to build something that historically has taken like 50 to 60 people. This is my thesis. Go picks and shovels. Matt, I was WhatsApping Kieran earlier today about an idea that we're going to get your take on, which is I think one of the winners are very small businesses. Because of AI and automation, we're going to have more and more profitable, more successful one to 10 employee businesses. And if you are like me and believe that, Like, I think there is a huge opportunity for somebody to raise a venture fund that all they do is invest in companies that are providing AI automation and tooling for that very small business category, because the profitability of that category is going to improve. Traditionally, that's been a really hard category to serve because there's a lot of going out of business cancellation risk and everything. I think that's going to change a lot. The other category that you didn't include, Kieran, that I would like to add and this is a hat tip to our friend Linus, who we had on the show recently. He talked a lot about models operating on the edge. So like having personalized models like on your phone. And like the most, one of the most interesting things that's happened this week is Rewind, which is a really awesome app to provide an AI layer across basically everything you do on your computer, mm-hmm. just launched its iPhone app today. And so now you can have this AI assistant on your iPhone in a really powerful way in kind of this personal, secure, gestured data model operating like on the edge on your phone. And I think that is a category where you're not gonna have 100 winners, but the handful of companies that win are going to win pretty big. You know what's one of the wildest thought exercises for the three of us just to quickly touch on in relation to this is, if you told me like three months ago, if you look at OpenAI, you would say, wow, like OpenAI are going to be one of the biggest, m- most profitable, biggest market cap businesses of all time. Now mm-hmm. I think OpenAI might be one of the most interesting 
case studies in if distribution is truly a moat? Because actually their core technology has been eroded pretty rapidly. I don't know what you think about, Matt, if that, if, like you agree or not. If you could like, if you had a hundred thousand to invest, are you putting that in like open AI today? Or you think that their core business is starting to be eroded by these open source models, by like other companies just like replicating what they do? You know, I think OpenAI is going to figure it out. I think OpenAI has some of the smartest researchers on the planet on their team. So I do think that they're going to figure out, you know, how to continually build more of a moat around their platform. You know, some of the team that they have there behind the scenes. I hate to try to pronounce their names. (laughs) You know, Greg Brockman and and some of the team there are some of the people that are like, you know, founding fathers of AI that have been doing this for a long time that are going to figure this stuff out. So I do have faith in OpenAI. If I had the money, I'd probably be putting it more towards Microsoft and NVIDIA, though, because I think right. that's still the safer bet. <laughs> and Sam Lutman is a awesome, incredible founder. So I think like part of it is the NVIDIA founder is an incredible founder. Like if you ever incredible. read up in that founder. Oh, yeah, Jensen what's Huang, like really, yep. <laughs> Yeah, what's really interesting about OpenAI, like there was a really good tweet about what Elon's doing at Twitter, which is Elon is going through the biggest experiment of all time to see if, if, if the only thing that truly matters is like network effects. Like, hey, getting rid of the brand, getting rid of all of the actual users, getting rid of all the things that people like. But the thing he still has is network effects. And if you have network effects, like it's really an incredible moat and hard to disrupt. Mm-hmm. And like OpenAI has not built network effects into the product just yet. But I do think part of your moat can just be you have probably the best team in the industry and you're like, you'll, you'll figure out how to stay ahead. But like the pace of evolution, even in the kind of space that they're in, like, I don't even think I would have seen six months ago just how many competitors they have in such a short amount of time. Yeah, and, and OpenAI too, we, you know, they're not just ChatGPT, we have to remember, right? They, they've also got Dolly. They also have the right. GPT 3.5, the GPT 4 APIs. I mean, how many thousands and thousands of companies are running with the GPT 4 API? I mean, I get a GPT 4 API bill every month just from playing around with it myself. So, you know, I think that they have a lot more going for them than just ChatGPT. I think the public sees ChatGPT and, that, and that's sort of what the public thinks of with OpenAI. But they've got, you know, that that sort of API business behind the scenes that's powering so many other companies as well. What do you think happens in the kind of spaces where it's like quick to replicate? Because there, there is a need for these kind of like writing tools, image tools, video tools, the sales outreach tools. Like they are going to be incredibly important to companies. I think every company is going to use some form of these tools. But I wonder like how you win or is there a winner or everyone just uses their own special flavor? There's two things here. There's two things that are part of it. One of the things that I think is part of it is with chat GPT, we're all getting trained on a chat kind of interface, but more of a chat workflow where you can have a lot of different types of actions happening in one stream. And we're going to all want that. It's a way better experience. You and I collaborated on a chat GPT thread, Kieran, and it was like, awesome. Great experience. We're all going to want to do that more. In a world where that's true, you know who benefits? Platforms. People who have a wide set of use cases that they can bundle into that new experience and just basically put AI and that chat experience on. So I think incumbents and platforms are really going to win. And I think a lot of those point solutions right now, it's going to be a little bit like dot-com bus 3.0. Like a couple will make it and the majority will not because what they are doing will get gobbled up by a lot of the existing incumbents. Mm-hmm. Right. Matt, what tool has like, other than like the open AI or... <laughs> The code interpreter, me and 
Kip had a moment. We were doing like Code Interpreter Live. We were kind of doing stuff analysis yeah. for the podcast and RSS. And I use these tools all the time, but I hadn't really, because I'm like, maybe it's because I don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't used the sharing function where like I'd, sh I'd share this analysis with Kip. And my analysis took me two hours. Like I was going back and forth, getting it to mm -hmm. create charts, getting it to like create tables, join tables, then create charts on those join tables. And I was like, this is like awesome, right? Like I was like, this is super awesome. But then I sent it to Kip and you can just click on the share link you, in, you import that entire chat, charts, data, and then you can just start like building on top of it. I didn't mm -hmm. actually not, I thought I was sending him like a thread and he could see it and share it, but I didn't know he could just easily start to like rapidly iterate on that. Mm -hmm. And that just blew my mind because now you can just start to share these like conversations and data, all this stuff with someone else and they can just build on it really, really rapidly. And that was like a bit of mind blowing experience. Mm -hmm. What's been a tool like that for you, which you're just like, holy smokes, like this is a whole new way to do things. So there's been a couple. I mean, so and Anthropics Claude 2 actually blew me away when they if they first made it available because of that 100,000 context token context window, meaning that you can essentially upload an entire book and ask questions of that book, right? You can copy an entire giant, you know, 100,000 or 50,000 word article or something, paste it in there, ask questions of it. So Claude 2 is really really impressive. I've actually started using Claude 2 almost more than ChatGPT especially for summarization type stuff and getting bullet points and, you know, helping me rewrite stuff. But I think, you know, since that's sort of similar to ChatGPT, I think the one tool that really blew my mind when I did sort of a demo video on it and I was sort of playing with it in real time that I really went, whoa, this is really crazy, was Eleven Labs. When I started playing with Eleven Labs and I was able to train my own voice into Eleven mm, Labs and then video. type in some text and then it spoke back to me. I actually made a video of it on my YouTube channel where I typed a bunch of words and had it speak back and I was listening to it and I'm like, yeah, I don't really think it sounds like me. And then everybody on my YouTube channel, like all the comments were like, I wasn't looking at my screen at that point and I didn't realize you stopped talking. <laughs> like I had some sort of like cognitive dissonance from it where I like couldn't, I was like, ah, that doesn't sound like me. And everybody was like, no, that's, that's you. That's your voice. And then I started playing with it a little more where I would take like a voice from somebody from a podcast and train it in there and see if I can replicate their voice. And that was working. And that to me was really, really mind blowing. Also scary at the same time, right? right? There's been a handful of scams that have popped up where people have, you know, called somebody's parents and then used somebody else's voice to try to get money out of the parents. And so it was one of the things where I played with it for the first time and I went, this is mind blowing. This is groundbreaking, but also this scares the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched that video. I think it was around the time Kip, I WhatsApped you the uh, Joe Rogan and Andrew Huberman yeah. fake podcast when they actually were doing video and then they <laughs> out of the or and then out of the blue advertise like some sort of like weight loss pills and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hey joe that. what do you think about like you know aliens coming down and they built the pyramids like all the crazy stuff he talks about oh but what do you think about these weight loss pills oh they're super dope <laughs> but like but but like still wow like this stuff is going to come at us pretty fast in terms mm. of like how rapidly we're going to be able to do deep fakes and and spoof people Absolutely. All right. So, so Claude, Eleven Labs. What else? What what else are your other favorite AI tools of twenty twenty three so far? So Mid Journey. Every time Mid Journey releases a new update, that yes. just blows my mind. Except um, for it's in Discord. You have to like. You can't be a fan of the Discord experience. Like, get out mm, of the Discord. Yeah, I wait. They, they are planning on getting out of the Discord. In fact, if you've generated over, I think ten thousand generations, they let you use their web user interface. Ah. Uh, but they are moving to a web interface. But they're just they're only letting certain beta testers use it right now. So it's getting there. I also use Leonardo AI a lot, which is another AI image mm. generator that's really, 
really solid. You can actually train your own sort of styles into it. You can upload a whole bunch of images that you like, and it will train on those styles, and you can generate more images in that style. So I like that one a lot. You know, since I do a lot of YouTube videos, I like to play with a lot of like creative video tools, right? So I use Runway ML a lot. I use a tool called Kyber a lot, which makes really cool AI image generations. It uses like Deforum and I think Disco Diffusion behind the scenes. I mean, there's just too many tools to list, but there's I, I play with a lot of like the visual effects type stuff because I'm yes. constantly experimenting with what could I make that I can throw into a YouTube video that make people go, oh, I need to know how he does that. The video tools are the ones where you can have an avatar within your kind of go to market. So you have an avatar on customer support or you have an mm-hmm. avatar who's actually doing your sales. And there's a company called Air that got a lot of traction, but there's other mm-hmm. companies doing this, which is like, I can train it to sound like a human. They can do the sales, they can do the customer support. And they're like 80% there, but that mm-hmm. 80% is nowhere near good enough, right? Like right. it's very monotone. It's like the, you know, the videos are just like, well, this is me. <laughs> I am speaking to you now, like here, right? Like they're just like no tone, no personality. I suspect that I wonder how hard that 20% is going to be. I wonder if it's like one of those problems where like the 20% is just like a huge jump up from like where we are today. Because video is like one of the, I think, most interesting spaces. Runway has probably one of the best tools. Mm-hmm. But one of the ones I'm interested in is like how rapidly you can just have a person on support 24-7 doing like your screen shares, how you can have someone, your entire sales team like 24-7. But I don't, it doesn't seem like we're close. It seems yeah. like... I think the biggest problem with a lot of those tools is honestly just the latency between when you ask it the question and when it responds to the question, right? Like you ask the question, there's like a 10 second gap and then there's a response. There are some companies that are figuring that out though. There are some companies that I was talking to the CEO of a company called Convey, who they're actually building this technology for video games where you can go up and speak into your microphone with an NPC character And then the character sort of generates random real-time conversation. So every time you play through the game, you're going to have different conversations with that character, right? So I could go up and ask them a question one playthrough. The second playthrough, if I ask them the exact same question, they're not going to give me the same response because it's all generated with AI. Well, his program actually fixed that latency issue where it actually has Mm -hmm. a sort of like a buffer type thing built in where as I'm speaking, while it's hearing these words, it's already processing the words. And then when I finally pause, it's already processed the first part of what I said and is ready to respond. So they've actually figured it out where the, the gap between what I say and what they respond with is milliseconds. I mean, it's getting really, really close. And then with tools like 11 Labs, I feel like all those tools need to do to get rid of that sort of robotic response voice is just tie into like an API, like 11 Labs API. And now you've got a voice that sounds just like a real human that's almost indistinguishable. And then, you know, combine that with a tool like Synthesia or something like that, that actually puts that sort of human looking avatar in front of you. So it looks like they're speaking to you. And, you know, now we're crossing that uncanny valley and we've got somebody that that is having a conversation, sounds like a real voice and is responding in real time. It's just the technologies all exist. I haven't just seen one tool pull them all together into a right. single purpose-built tool for like sales. Back in my software engineer days, one of the interviews I went for like very early out of college, the person who was interviewing me like ran the entire software development department. And he purposely, and he told me like afterwards, this is part of his interview style, he purposely waited 20 seconds between asking a question, you answering and him responding. So uh-huh. he would leave like 20 seconds of uncomfortable silence. And he said he reason, and he would just sit there like, and he would nod his head for some reason and just like, 
And you're like, oh, I think the reason he was like, I do that because it's incredible how people decide to like fill that 20 seconds. They just say like, you know, they just say like totally insane stuff. But I'm like, okay, like, but it's not a normal situation that I'm going to have to deal with as a software engineer where like part of me being a great software engineer is being able to deal with like 20 seconds, specifically 20 seconds of like uncomfortable silence. So I still think he would actually do pretty well as like an AI avatar salesperson. Yeah, yeah. I hear they do that on Shark Tank, too, just to see how people respond. So. respond. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Once AI starts playing mental games with us, then we're all screwed. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, come on, man. I can't, I can't deal with that. I can barely deal with it from other humans. <laughs> right, right. The last one I want to touch on both of you is, this is actually Paris seems to be a real hub of these kind of companies. We talked about it, which is, it feels like most companies, most large companies will have a plug-and-play version of a AI, like an LLM model just for them, right? Mm -hmm. Like you'll be able to plug in your data. You'll be able to like customize it for your needs. And I suspect at some point, like you'll just be able to go any kind of podcast or any YouTuber can go to a service, pay a couple of bucks, put their RSS feed in, get some like models back and be able to build apps on top of that. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing much of that? Like, how do you, how do you feel about that? How do both of you think that's going to be a pretty big, important space? Yeah, I mean, I'm already seeing that kind of stuff that that already exists. I mean, there's already apps out there that have, you know, scraped the entire Huberman Labs podcast. And you can go and have conversations with Andrew Huberman based on all of the conversations he's had on his podcast already. That sort of already exists. There's a tool that I spoke with the founder called personal.ai. And what that tool mm. is, is you can actually plug in your own blog's RSS feed. You can plug in your Twitter account. You can, you know, personally journal directly inside of the app. And what it does is it learns more and more and more about you. And then you can go in there and have conversations with it. And based on all of your own data, it will know how you would respond. Right. But then you can also go and give a front end user interface to other people. So people can have a conversation with virtual digital me like that's already out there. And there's a handful of tools that do that. I think we're going to see that more and more. I mean, I think that's probably more likely the future of customer service, right? Where you've got yeah. these AI models that are trained on all of the database of user documentation. They're trained on all of past customer support conversations and how the response was handled. And then over time, these AI bots are going to be able to handle 98.9% of the conversations that come through without ever needing to, you know, touch a human customer support rep. So that I think is coming really fast. I think that's sort of the the next wave that we're going to see a, a lot of, honestly. Well, yeah. And it's like when we talk about customer support, the reason I think this is important, because Kieran, I'm about to bring up one of the AI startups that you and I are most confused by to get <laughs> Matt's take on. This is me rationalizing why they might exist. You know, when we talk about, oh, AI is going to solve customer support or it's going to solve sales. The reality is humans like to interact with different types of people in those situations. Right. Like some people want a salesperson who's really to the point. Others want somebody who's just going to be very detail-oriented, et cetera, right? And that's where you're not just going to need like one model. You're going to need very specific versions of a model to solve the audience you're trying to address. And maybe, maybe that's why character.ai exists. Mm, I don't yes. really understand yeah, yeah. character.ai. Yeah. <laughs> this is Matt, a good like, what am I missing? What am I missing? What like, I they've missing, raised Matt? so much money. <laughs> and like, they, they, it seems like people are making some weird characters, but like, are we missing something about character? This is like, AI? I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, the person watching these humans <laughs> act like NPC people on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Doing, 
gang gang ice cream getting the dollars in like i feel that way about characters that i know like i'm really into the ai space i'm like kip i don't get the i don't what what is this company doing why are they going to be a huge success yeah i i mean i'm i'm with you i don't totally understand character ai here's what i will say though i do have two kids like they're both like sort of preteen age kids and they for whatever reason love character ai like oh, wow. them, on like, the, on their phone okay, or on the old. desktop this on is the important the I just on the, on the, so they've got their they've got their chromebooks both my kids have little chromebooks and they get into character AI and like we have a neighbor across the street that's the same age. And apparently uh, among like their age kids, like middle school aged kids, they love this sort of like fun digital wow. companion thing. It's like it's like the new Tamagotchi kind of thing, right? Oh, like wow. that sort of generation seems to just be obsessed with this digital companion conversation Amazing. type app. That's what I've noticed about it. That's the only sort of justification I can make towards character AI. I've played with it like once or twice and went, all right, I, you know, I, I just had a conversation with Mega Man. That that was cool. Uh, I don't know what else to do with this now. I love Mega Man. But uh, my kids, like, they, they love it. They're on character AI all the time, which is scary. Hopefully that doesn't ruin, you know, real relationships and real companionship with humans. So hopefully it doesn't ruin like social skills right, and interpersonal yeah. skills and all the things we actually need as a society. Oh yeah. That's a whole other rabbit hole that sort of scares me yeah. about AI is the, the whole digital girlfriend thing that's starting to pop up where people are building relationships and not feeling the need to have real relationships with, you know, the opposite sex in real life because they've got their digital, like, but that's a whole rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> that's how population continues to they're exactly. one billion dollar valuation so now we know they, they've it's... they've climbed the charts because Mega Man is on there I think Mega Man <laughs> is kind of dope so I think that's I think I think that's a good case for them they're also Andreessen Howard's back Matt it's been incredible having you on the show we're both big fans we watch your Thank we you. watch your YouTube channel everyone who's listens to this should go check out your YouTube channel keep up to date with AI mm. every single week and we really appreciate you coming on and spending this time with us yeah thanks for having me on this has been absolutely a blast I've had a good time 